back with you uh, after a little bout with COVID. I don't recommend it, by the way. Uh, do appreciate you guys praying for me. Appreciate Pastor Mike stepping up last week and uh, appreciate my wife putting up with me as we were locked in at home. She tested negative each time and I tested positive and it's just warm and gooey. You know, it just makes you feel the love when you're locked in at home. So anyway, uh, appreciate your prayers as well. And uh, I want to remind you of a couple of ministry opportunities. Uh, VBS has already been mentioned. Be sure to sign up for Vacation Bible School. I'll come back to that in just a second. But also, we'll be hosting in-house a team from God's Pit Crew. They're staying in our site and serving at Soldier Bay Baptist Church next weekend. Uh, and they are a disaster relief ministry uh, at Soldier Bay next Saturday, the 4th. They will be packing blessing buckets. And you can participate in that if you're interested. Uh, you can go on the Brunswick Baptist Association website and sign up to go up to Soldier Bay and participate in packing the blessing buckets that will be distributed to people uh, in times of need and crisis and uh, in, in disaster situations. So keep that in mind. If you'd like to plug into that, go on the Brunswick Baptist Association website. And if you forget or not sure how to do that, give us a call in the church office this week. We'll help you out with that. Back to Vacation Bible School a uh, very, very important time in the life of our church every summer as we minister to children and their families. We believe in Vacation Bible School, and this year's Vacation Bible School theme uh, underscores the reason that we so much believe in Vacation Bible School. The theme for VBS this year focuses on us being created in God's image and with a purpose. Teaching children, they are created in God's image and for His purpose. And we live in a hostile culture now, a culture that is hostile toward some of these basic truths where uh, people are not even sure who they are. Uh, they don't believe that they have a creator. They believe they can choose their own biology, their own mindset, their own direction, their own sexuality. They don't believe. And all of this comes down to whether or not we believe we have a creator. Our creator designed us for a purpose and he designed our biology for a purpose. So we're, we're going to be reminding our kids, this Vacation Bible School, of this very critical, biblical, basic truth of humanity. Sign up to volunteer at Vacation Bible School. Register to serve. Register for your kids. Invite your neighbor's kids to be at our Vacation Bible School starting uh, it's in late June. Uh, but we need you to sign up now to volunteer. Return with me this morning to... The book of Daniel in the Old Testament, the book of Daniel, hold your place in chapter 1 for just a minute, where we started two weeks ago in a new message series uh, where we're talking about living for Christ in a hostile culture, standing up for the great truths of the gospel and the great truths of the Bible in a culture that is growing increasingly hostile toward people of faith and especially toward Christianity. Again, I would underscore that's why Themes such as the one in Vacation Bible School are so important. To teach basic biblical truths and what the Bible teaches, the truth the Bible teaches about who we are, our need for Christ, all, so many other truths that we teach our kids. But also we need to be refreshed in those because we're being pressured more and more in our culture. We're being pressured to compromise. To compromise the truth, to compromise our faith. Uh, sometimes they seem like small 
compromises along the way. Maybe it's at work. Maybe it's at home. Maybe it's with a relative. Just to compromise a little bit. Is the Bible really true? Can I, can I really believe that? Is Christ really the only way? Maybe other religions are true. Uh, but there are basics to the Bible and Christianity which we can never compromise and must never compromise. And we mustn't compromise to live for Christ in our generation. No matter how hostile the culture is, this is our generation. Maybe you feel like you're living in Babylon. But this is our generation, and we're called to live for Christ in our generation. Two weeks ago, we started in the book of Daniel. Uh, we learned a little bit of history, which helps us to go through the book of Daniel and understand what was happening in the time. So just to review, uh, as you might recall, the king at the time in Babylon is, a, is King Nebuchadnezzar. At the time of this story, he's the most powerful king in the world, overseeing the most powerful empire in the world. Uh, Second to him is Egypt, but at the time the book opens, uh, Nebuchadnezzar, King Nebuchadnezzar and Babylon have just defeated both the Assyrians and the Egyptians in a major war, ending in a major battle. Historians say it was one of the most significant battles ever in the ancient Near East. Babylon and Nebuchadnezzar won the battle, and when they won, they gained authority, they gained uh, uh, complete ownership of the ancient Near East for a period of time. And the first thing they did was they swept down into Palestine and Judea. Uh, now, if you've ever looked at Palestine and Judea or uh, Israel and Jerusalem on a map, you can see why. Throughout its history, this small stretch of land has served as a land bridge between kingdoms and empires in the north and Egypt and Arabia in the south. Uh, so whoever owns that strip of land, whoever can control it, has a great deal of power in the, ancient, in the Near East and in the ancient Near East. So kings would battle over this all the time. So as soon as King Nebuchadnezzar had control, he swept down, he laid siege to Jerusalem. We read that two weeks ago. He conquered the Israelites, the Jews in that area. And in three successive waves, he carried them off into exile in Babylon. Now, now, kings at the time, despots and dictators, had a method for conquering land. And what they would often do is they would take the best of the best of the people they conquered, the, uh, the smartest, the royalty, uh, the business people, whoever it was, they would take the best of the best and they would take them to their country. They would take them off into exile. And then they would put in the land transplants from other countries. And this would make it much harder for the conquered people to raise an army, uh, to have any kind of leadership or any kind of rebellion. And that's exactly what Nebuchadnezzar did. And he took into Babylon, into exile, thousands of people out of Judea and Palestine. And included in those people were four young men. At the time they were carried off, which was around 605 B.C., these, three young, these four young men were around 13 or 14 years old. The one we know the best is Daniel. They were taken off into Babylon in exile. And then King Nebuchadnezzar told his royal officials he wanted him to single out specific men who could serve in his court. And these men had to be attractive physically. They had to be healthy. They had to be intelligent, well-educated. And they had to be uh, easy to teach and capable of learning the ways of Babylon, the language of the Babylonians, the Chaldean language, uh, and they had to be moldable, they had to be shaped into basically the image of Babylon, and they would serve the rest of their lives in exile in the king's court in Babylon. 
They would be trained for three years after they were handpicked, and then the rest of their lives was dictated by the king of Babylon. Daniel and his three friends are the most famous of these men that were picked out. We learned a lot about them last time. We're going to pick up where we left off last time, and we're going to zero in on a basic truth this morning, a truth that gives us a theme for the book of Daniel. It's the theme of no compromise. In our series, we're going to be focusing on the first six chapters of the book of Daniel, and we'll see over and over again this theme arise of no compromise. Do not compromise your values for Christ in a hostile culture. In your Babylon, do not compromise. And we'll see that God always honors us when we are faithful to him. God always honors those who refuse to compromise in a hostile culture. So we're going to pick up this morning reading in the book of Daniel in chapter 1. We'll pick up where we left off last time in verse 7. As these four men are selected, this is what we read. The chief eunuch gave them names. That is, Daniel and his friends. He gives them Chaldean or Babylonian names. He gave the name Belteshazzar to Daniel, Shadrach to Hananiah, Meshach to Mishael, and Abednego to Azariah. Verse 8. Daniel determined that he would not defile himself with the king's food or with the wine that he drank. So he asked permission from the chief eunuch not to defile himself. God had granted Daniel kindness and compassion from the chief eunuch. Yet he said to Daniel, I fear my lord the king, who assigned your food and drink. What if he sees your faces looking thinner than the other young men your age? You would endanger my life with the king. So Daniel said to the guard whom the chief eunuch had assigned to Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, he said, please test your servants for ten days. Let us be given vegetables to eat and water to drink. Then examine our appearance and the appearance of the young men who are eating the king's food and deal with your servants based on what you see. He agreed with them about this and tested them for ten days. At the end of ten days, they looked better and healthier than all the young men who were eating the king's food. So the guard continued to remove their food and the wine that they were to drink and gave them vegetables. God gave these four young men knowledge and understanding in every kind of literature and wisdom. Daniel also understood visions and dreams of every kind. At the end of the time that the king had said to present them, the chief eunuch presented them to Nebuchadnezzar. The king interviewed them, and among all of them, no one was found equal to Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. So they began to attend the king. In every matter of wisdom and understanding that the king consulted them about, he found them ten times better than all the magicians and mediums in his entire kingdom. Daniel remained there until the first year of King Cyrus. We will always be pressured to compromise. You might, even now, be under pressure to compromise your faith. It may seem like small things at work or, or with a relative or at school or in college. It, it may seem like small things, but those small things can lead to larger compromise. Our, our challenge is always to live for Christ in wherever he has put us. Wherever he has put us, that's your Babylon. Our, our culture is certainly growing more and more hostile toward people of faith, Christianity in particular, but it's always been true that God calls us to stand for him, to live out biblical values, and to do what he has asked us to do. And sometimes that means we say, no, we will not compromise. You may be pressured and tested even now 
uh, being asked to compromise your values, your faith. You may have already done so. You may not even realize you've compromised your faith. And this morning, I want, us to, cha- I want to challenge us, as we'll see in the rest of the, the study in Daniel, this challenge remains before us. Never compromise, but always be faithful to Christ. Never compromise what God has called us to do and the things that matter most, but always be faithful to Christ. Why? Because God always honors us when we are faithful to him. God always honors us when we are faithful to him and what he calls us to do and when we live for Christ. This morning won't take just a few minutes. I want want you to consider with me uh, what it takes not to compromise, what it takes to stand firm. And we're going to look at three things revealed in this, this front end of the book, three things it takes not to compromise, to always stand firm for Christ in a hostile culture. The first one is the decision not to compromise. The decision not to compromise. Now, as servants of the king, these four young men have been instructed uh, to learn the language, the Chaldean language. They, they learn the literature. They learn the wisdom. They learn the law. They learn everything there is to learn in Babylon. And they are supposed to be eating the king's meal, what the king gives them to eat. Now, in this passage, the term translated the king's food, just as it was two weeks ago, actually translates a word that means something like very rich food. Very rich food and very rich wine. That's what they were supposed to be eating and drinking if they were going to serve in the king's court. It was a cardiologist's nightmare to serve in the king's court. But then we read in verse 7 a front-end basic statement. This is what it says. Daniel determined not to defile himself by eating the king's food and drinking the king's wine. Now we need to unpack this just a minute for us to understand the significance of the decision not to compromise. The term translated determined is is more literally made up his mind or made up his heart. Determined in his heart. That is to say he made a private decision prior to this point that he would not compromise and he is applying that decision to this situation. The situation is whether or not he would, as we read it, defile himself by eating the king's food and drinking the king's wine. Now the term translated defile literally refers to disqualify. That is to say, to disqualify himself. And this is very significant at the moment because notice they're trying to qualify these men for for serving in the king's court. But Daniel's thinking is this, I would rather be disqualified for serving King Nebuchadnezzar than disqualified for serving God. I want to remain qualified to serve God wherever I am in any situation, and I will not compromise that. It matters more that I'm qualified to serve my God in Babylon even if that disqualifies me from serving the king. Most of the time, Christians today tend to flip that around. Uh, We take our cues from culture as what qualifies us to serve our culture or to work in our culture or to have conversations in our culture or to vote in our culture. Uh, We take cues from our culture. Daniel takes his cues from God. He's already decided in advance who he is and determined in advance that he will not compromise. 
underneath this, we, we've got to pay attention to what's happening here. Remember, these, these young men are 13, 14 years old. They were raised in a culture saturated in a faith community in the Word of God, worshiping God, learning in the synagogue. They were raised to serve God. That's why he knows and why he's determined in advance what he will not compromise on. But it's also interesting that we just learned the Babylonians changed their names. Now the name Daniel is a Hebrew name that means God is my judge. And each of the other three young men, their Hebrew names have names that directly associate with their God, the one true God, the God of Israel. Their names directly associate with that. And the Babylonians have changed their names to names that directly associate with Babylonian gods. So in Babylon, they will be called by these other names, these Babylonian names. Now we're told that before we're told that he makes his stand on food and drink. Notice what he doesn't do. He doesn't make his stand on the names. Because Daniel was smart enough to know, well-versed enough to know in the things of God, carries the values of God and of his culture and of his faith. He knows some things are not worth the battle, and some things you've got to draw your line in the sand. In short, he doesn't really care what they call him. He only cares how he lives in Babylon. That's the rub. He determined in advance. He decided in his heart he would not compromise. Now, the Bible doesn't tell us outright what the problem is for him with the king's food and drink. It doesn't tell us that. And in Daniel's day, there would have been an assumption that they probably knew. But here's what I think, and this is what's borne out through the book. Daniel is so focused on God getting the glory for who and his friends are and for what who and his friends are able to do. God gets the glory, and over and over in the book, we're told God did this. God gave them wisdom. God gave them understanding. Daniel knows this. So Daniel is not going to give the king leverage to say, look what I did to make Daniel and his friends so smart and so healthy. He's going to draw the line in the sand and say, no, I serve God. And anything good in me, anything healthy, anything wise comes from God. And it starts right here. It starts right here. Daniel's decision not to compromise teaches us this. Make a decision in advance. Don't wait for the time you're under pressure to compromise. Know in advance what matters most. You will not compromise. We will not compromise biblical values. We will not compromise the sanctity of life. We will not compromise our identity as created creatures of God. We will not compromise the truth that we are sinners. Our problem arises from the fact that we are sinners. We will not compromise that Jesus Christ is God in human flesh. We will not compromise that Christ is the only way to be saved. We will not compromise that our God is one God in three persons. We are the only religion that teaches that. We do not compromise that truth. The Apostle Paul would write later, Inasmuch as you are able, be at peace with everyone. And he would also say sometimes among believers there are things you disagree on. That's okay. But then he would underscore, but there are those things on which we never compromise. 
Never compromise. Decide in advance the truth, the values, the beliefs, the character, and you will not compromise. That leads us to the second thing that it takes not to compromise. And this is where we dig into Daniel's character. You learn something about him right off the bat. The confidence not to compromise. The confidence not to compromise. Daniel resolves, determines, makes a decision. He's not going to compromise. He tells this to the official in charge of them on behalf of the chief official who serves King Nebuchadnezzar. He tells them, he tells that, that official, we're not going to eat the king's food. Just bring us vegetables and water. And the official rightly gets a little bit disturbed because disobeying the king is a capital offense. Even if it's just about eating salad instead of meat. It's a capital offense. It means your head, both for Daniel, his friends, and for this official. And he says, you know, the truth is, I'm more afraid of the king. <laughs> so help me out here. And you notice the undertone of the text. Daniel's already gained favor with this gentleman. He already has favor with him. Uh, so he's willing to listen to Daniel. Doesn't, he doesn't exert authority on him. He just says, my concern is this is a capital offense. So advocate for it. What, what do you want to do? And then Daniel says, as the text reads, he asked for permission not to eat the king's food. And he says, if you're concerned about it, let's do an experiment. Uh, for 10 days, just bring me and my friends water and vegetables, not the king's food. Change it out. When you serve it, just change it out for us. And at the end of 10 days, if we are emaciated and skinny and it's real obvious that it's impacted us, we're not eating the, the king's rich food, it'll be very noticeable. Now, notice he, he doesn't say we'll go on the king's diet. He just says, let's see what happens. But at the end of 10 days, we look great, then obviously we're right. And the king's official consents to this and says, yes, we, we will do this. And lo and behold, it works out. Big surprise, right? He does what God wants him to do. He upholds God's values. He makes sure God's going to get the glory for who he is. And God honors that. He just takes good care of his health. I want you to notice that, that Daniel doesn't cause an uprising in the kingdom. He doesn't storm the gates with placards and posters. He, he doesn't try to set everybody free or, or, or make a big speech. He doesn't, he's not belligerent. He's not disrespectful. In fact, quite the opposite. He's very respectful. Why is he so confident? Why is he able just to stand firm and say, well, let's try this out? He's confident because he knows he's right. Funny thing, isn't it? Sometimes Christians forget a, a fundamental biblical truth. You know what it is? You're right. Why are you arguing about things we already know the Bible's right about? Why do we get so worked up? Why don't we follow the pattern of Jesus and, and Paul? and the other apostles, and Daniel here, and say, with reason and respect, well, let's try this out. Because when you don't show confidence in, in 
your values and when you don't show confidence enough not to compromise, you're not showing confidence in God and His Word. Your, your confidence is confidence in God's truth. When you're faced with pressure to compromise, be ready to give an answer, as Peter, 1 Peter chapter 3 says. Be ready to give an answer for the hope that's in you. Know how to explain what you believe. When you stand firm on that, Stand firm on the fact the Bible's right. The Bible's right. You know, one of the things that our, our culture tends to overlook in its hostility toward Christianity and people of faith is the good, the benefit that people of faith and Christianity have done in the Western world. Uh, we are the reason for modern health care. Christians were the ones that came up with nursing. Florence Nightingale was a Christian. Uh, we are the reason for education, education systems. Even though they have swung to the far left, uh, in Western culture, Christians founded most of the educational institutions. We are the reason, Christian influence is the reason for the abolition of slavery in the UK and in America. Christian influence, it matters. Left to itself and our biblical values, Christianity is always good for culture and when lived rightly. Because, yeah, Christians can behave in despicable ways as well when we're not following Christ faithfully. But when lived rightly, when we follow Christ faithfully, Christianity is always good for the culture as well as for Christians. Be confident. There's no reason to compromise. There's no reason to compromise. Be confident in following Christ doesn't mean you're going to change everybody's mind. But people that are willing to listen to reason often realize that biblical values are not only good for the Christian, they are good for the culture. So the first thing it takes is the decision not to compromise. The second thing it takes not to compromise is the confidence not to compromise. Then third is the faith not to compromise. This, this comes out of your confidence. Confidence in the Bible. Confidence in your Savior. Confidence in God. Confidence in living for Christ. Reminds you that your relationship with Christ is based in faith. The faith not to compromise says, I believe God has me in Babylon for a reason. I'm not going to compromise my values because I believe God can use me and my values for whatever he desires, whatever he plans to do in the days ahead. Verse 17 is a turning point in chapter 1. As we often find in the Bible, uh, there's a summary, a big picture drawing or portrayal before we get to the details again. And we'll see as we move along more detailed stories, many of which are well known to you. Daniel and the lion's den, for instance. Uh, stories in which we see these young men living out their faith through years in which they do not compromise. In the text we read, verse 17 moves us into a big summary with this statement. God gave these four young men knowledge and understanding in every kind of literature and wisdom. And then we're told what happened in the successive years. As the years went on, Daniel gained wisdom and knowledge and he and his friends applied that wisdom and that knowledge. And he was able to see God work because he was faithful to God not to compromise. And verse 17 bears that out. Notice suddenly this is the first time that God is acting in the whole 
chapter, God suddenly becomes front and center because God gave them their wisdom and their understanding, meaning their perception and their insight in how to apply that wisdom. God gets the glory, and he gets the glory long term because each day Daniel and his friends decide not to compromise. This summary ends with a flat statement that Daniel served there until Cyrus became king. Cyrus is the Persian king that ultimately would overthrow Nebuchadnezzar in Babylon. That summary covers almost 66 years. And all that time, all those years, Daniel and his friends are faithful not to compromise. Why? Because they have faith in their God. They believe God will use them in Babylon. They're not in Babylon by accident. They're in Babylon because God knows the times. God knows what comes next. And God can use them as long as they are faithful to him and do not compromise their values and their relationship with him. This is true for all of us. God always honors us when we are faithful to him. God can always use us in our culture, in our families, in our workplace, in our schools. He can use us when we are faithful to him and we do not compromise. Sometimes compromise just seeps in. It may be just one thing that seems like a small thing and then it's something else alongside that. Then it's something else alongside that. That's why it's so important that now you decide and I decide not to compromise. We'll stand firm for the values of the gospel. We'll, we'll take our cues from the Bible where to draw that line in the sand, where to say, no, I'm not going to do anything that would compromise my relationship with Christ. I'll live for him no matter what. You may remember it's just about 11 years ago that a luxury, 13-story luxury condo complex in Florida collapsed and 98 people were killed in that collapse. And In those intervening 11 months, investigators and engineers continue to research what happened. And the results are, are not all that surprising, but still terrible, awful situation. And that in 1991, excuse me, 1981, when the building was built, uh, the engineers and the architects and the builders took... Uh, shortcuts in certain areas. They were not illegal, but rather than saying, well, we, the law doesn't make us do this, but so, so we're going to cut those corners. Instead of saying, we need to go ahead and do it because it's safer, it'll be safer in the long term, they, they cut those corners. And engineers continue to find examples of these things. Now, one example that, that showed up right away is there was no waterproofing underneath much of the building, so the seawater was permitted to get into and compromise the, the rest of the building. And, and illustration after illustration about that comes along. The building actually almost immediately started to show cracks in the facade of the building. And in the 1990s, engineers came back and the condo association worked with them not to repair those cracks, but simply to patch them so they weren't visible. The results sometimes take a long time, but small compromise can be devastating. And it can be devastating to your faith. And if God is showing you now that you have compromised your walk with Christ, you have compromised even in the small things, it's time to ask his forgiveness. 
Don't just patch it up by saying, well, that will be okay. No, he is showing you that in your life. Confess that to him. Ask his forgiveness. Start over today. Believers in Christ, I'm going to pray for us that we would live without compromise for Christ. And if there's something in your life that you've compromised, he'll show you that. And you can start over today. If you've never trusted Christ as your Savior, or maybe you, you think you have, but you just hadn't been living for Christ, I'm going to pray for you in just a minute uh, to repent of your sins, to trust Jesus Christ as your Savior here in house or at home. Trust Christ today and start walking with Him, living for Christ starting today. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, God, we, we pause and we praise you and we thank you for your forgiveness, God. You are always gracious, always kind, always faithful to forgive us. God, we thank you for honoring us when we stand for you, when we refuse to compromise the values of the Word of God and our relationship with you. God, we thank you for that. God, right now, I pray for those in this room and at home. Father, you have, you have revealed to us areas that we have compromised. Maybe they... They are small, but we have compromised with the world. Maybe they're huge, and we've been hiding them, thinking it won't affect us, or it won't bother us, or nobody will find out. But God, you know where we've compromised. And so, Father, today I pray for us, and I ask you would forgive us, God. And may our, our hearts be sincere in asking for that forgiveness, God. Cleanse us of unrighteousness. Cleanse us, God, and forgive us of that. We put that in the past. And God, we determine today, we decide today, we will not compromise, but we will live for Christ. Father, some of us may be facing moments right now where we are challenged, tempted to compromise. Give us strength. Give us strength in that moment, not to compromise, God, but to stand for Christ. God, help us not to let that sin seep into our lives. Help us not to fall to temptation. Help us always, God, to live by biblical values. God, teach us also how to deal with our culture, to know your word so well that we decide in advance we will not compromise. God, for those in this room and at home that have never given their lives to Christ, never trusted Jesus as their Savior, I pray today they would do just that. And I pray, Father, this prayer out loud with them as they pray it in their hearts to put their faith in Christ, to repent of their sins today. Dear Lord Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner. And I know I can't save myself. And Jesus, I believe you died on the cross for me and that you're alive today. So in faith, Jesus, I ask you would come into my heart and into my life. Forgive me of my sins. Cleanse me of unrighteousness. I repent of my sins and from this day forward, I will follow Christ. Father, you find in us failures, mistakes, temptations, struggles. You find in us, sometimes you find us, God, at our worst place. You find us celebrating our own victories. You find all these things in us, God. And Father, how I thank you for your forgiveness as we yield to you today. And I pray all of us, God, would leave this place firm in our decision to walk with Christ, not to compromise. It doesn't mean we have to be perfect. It just means we need to show Jesus to the world. And it's in his precious name we pray.